Ist es? I thought Amanda was going to read my text this morning. <laughs> All right. We have been, uh, last week we actually, Pastor Brad introduced the, the theme or the word this year for this specific house, which is thrive. This is a year you're going to thrive. And whatever the Lord has been speaking to you, that is what he wants you to get grounded and established in and thrive in this year. To thrive means to be continuously established so that you can bear the fruit of that of that thing. So we're going to be talking about that this morning. Uh, we're going to be digging in a little deeper to the foundation of that. And so I want you to turn back to Luke 6, where you were just at. Luke 6, and we're going to read this, this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to go ahead and pray, because when I start reading Scripture, I tend to just start digging in as soon as I start reading it. So let's go ahead and pray over the Word today, pray over our hearts. Father, we thank you so much for this Word. We thank you, Father. You have given us the Word of God to establish us, to root us, so that we know the direction that we are to walk in, the way we are to walk in so that we can prosper and have good success. So I pray this morning that even as we bring forth this Word, that it rings in our heart that we would grab a hold. Father, give us revelation this morning and give us understanding so that we may walk prosperous, thriving this year at greater levels. Let the grace of God come upon this body to do mighty things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, the Bible in, in 3 John actually says that I pray that you prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. And so that we know that God wants us to prosper in all areas, not just spiritually, although that's the most important because we are spirit and we have a soul and we live in a body. This body will be done away with when it dies. We will have a glorified body later. But our spirit man is the true us. And we have a soul that uh, kind of bridges that gap between body and spirit and gives us understanding, gives us wisdom, gives us uh, knowledge and how to operate in these things. So our spirit man is most important, but if we forego and don't pay any attention to our body or our soul, we're not going to be successful. So all of these components have to work together so that we can see success and thrive in our life. So let's, let's talk in this uh, passage of scripture of Luke 6, verse 46. And we're going to talk about being foundationally strong this morning. Foundationally strong. It says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. 
But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground with, excuse me, without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. That doesn't sound very promising, does it? But it does give us a picture of what happens if we build our lives or our house on a wrong foundation. And so God gives us a warning here. Thank, thank the Lord that he does give us a warning that this is what happens if you don't build your house up on the rock of Jesus Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to get into this this morning. We're going to dig into this. But before we do that, turn over to, I was just reminded of a scripture in James. Go ahead and turn to James real quick. In chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That's exciting because it says if we look into the mirror of the word, you know, it's interesting. I, I was actually listening uh, to a couple pastors uh, the other day and they were making a comment and one had this revelation and said you know most of the time when we go look at a mirror we're looking in our face especially us ladies we're looking in our, at our face and our image in front of us trying to figure out what we need to cover up oh there's a blemish there's a flaw let's cover that up put some concealer on that put some uh you know let's put some sparkle here it will distract from this other area you know or or men you might go in front of the mirror and try to fix the hair that's sticking up and groom the beard and you know the nose hairs and ear hairs and all of that stuff and get rid of what we don't want showing but the interesting thing is the word of God does the opposite. It actually shows us who we are supposed to be, who we are in Christ, and we're to walk away with that image growing into who we are in Christ. So it shows us who we are, not what we're trying. It's not showing us our imperfections. When we read the word of God, we're supposed to go, oh, this is what he calls me. This is what he says about me. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then we walk away and we're supposed to do those things. We're supposed to grab a hold of that nature and say, this is who I am in Christ. But many times it says, just like as the word says, but if you walk away and forget who you are, who the word just said that you were, then you deceive yourselves. By saying, oh, yeah, I know the word, but are we actually living the word and walking away saying, this is who I am? This is what I do. So that's really what we're going to get into this morning is if you'll flip back to Luke 6, 
that very first statement, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say. It's the same concept that we go look in the mirror and then, oh, I know that. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to say. I know what the word says about me, but. But this is how I feel. This is what I want to do. And this is where I feel like going. And so he's saying, why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? And the idea of Lord is master, someone that is over us to tell us what to do, and we go where he tells us to go. We do what he tells us to do. It's a completely different or another level, let's say, of Savior. Savior is someone that saves us, but Lord is someone that we obey. He is our master. So those are two different roles. It's not the same role. And sometimes we, we, can, we can just quickly throw these names out that we call the, the Lord or call uh, God Jehovah Jireh, but are we walking away going, yes, he is my provider, so there's, therefore I will not fear. I won't be afraid. I won't, I won't be afraid of lack. I won't be afraid that there's not going to be provision. So we have, to, we have to realize that the word of God is yes and amen towards us, and it is true, but therefore we have to walk in it and not be this example that says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I say? And then he goes on and it says, for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. Then when the torrents came and the storm came, it says they weren't moved. I was watching a video the other day and there was this house that was along the coastline and I don't think the, that they, I'm sure they didn't build it intentionally like this, but they must have been thinking ahead enough that if the waves come up, is our house going to be safe? Will it, will it stay put? Will it be on a good foundation? Will it be sealed well so that the water doesn't get in? Because there were people inside the house, and they got the video, and they're talking, and, and it wasn't like any big deal. They're just talking, and then up comes this wave and hits the, the, uh, the sliding glass door and then bounces back and comes back again, hits the door, and I'm like, and I'm expecting it to, like, bust the glass. It's going to come in the house. It's going to destroy something because we've all seen those videos. But this one, it just kind of hit, and then it bounced off and went back out, and they're just talking like, yeah, this is normal. But that had to have been developed by somebody that what? Thought ahead. They thought ahead and perceived that this could happen Let's establish this into place. Let's make sure that this is sealed. Let's make sure the foundation is firm. Let's make sure we're building out of things that can handle this type of a storm. And so I want to read this to you because this is very interesting. Actually, the amplified, the amplified version says that that wise man is actually, in parentheses, it says farsighted practical and sensible, far-sighted. That means they look ahead and perceive. They look ahead and say, okay, the, these are some possibilities. Therefore, we're going to take the extra time now to put these precautionary measures in place. And so they are far-sighted. But the unwise or foolish man 
Well, we can, we can just gain the venture that that means the opposite, that they are short-sighted and they are not practical and they do not think ahead. And most people live their lives in that way. They live for the moment. They don't think ahead. They live for the here and now. They live for their feelings. But they're not thinking ahead on how do I need to establish myself now so that later I won't feel the impact of the storm. See, it's not a matter. Jesus never said the storm's not going to come. He didn't say, if you build yourselves up, there will never be a storm. He didn't say, if you build yourself on the foundation of Christ's words, that there's not going to be a storm that comes. He just said, you're not going to feel the impact like someone that builds it upon the sinking sand. So the more you establish yourself in the things of God, the less you feel the impact. In fact, you can actually build yourself to a point that it, you don't feel an impact. It, it's like it comes and it bounces. And you, it's just like what Psalm said. You will stand and observe what happens to the wicked. You will stand and observe what happens to everybody else. But because you got a revelation somewhere and you establish that as your firm foundation, then you stand and you watch what it does to everybody else, but you will not be touched. Why? Because of revelation. See, it's based upon revelation and what you apply from the word. It's just like, for instance, death. We talked a little bit about this uh, a couple weeks ago in our, in our class, our prayers principles class. Death for the Christian looks very different than death for the world. Because if a Christian dies, if someone that knows Jesus Christ, they die and they go to heaven and, and you're a friend of theirs or you're someone that knows them, you look at that differently or you should. If you have the revelation of eternity, you know that this is not the end. You'll see them again. You know that there's an eternity that you're going to get to spend with them. And it brings you into a place of peace. So you don't look like the world. In fact, I remember when, when Pastor Broad's brother, uh, Dave, passed away. It was, he passed away at 36. It was, it was totally unseen. And it happened on New Year's Eve. We weren't expecting it. We get a phone call. He and his parents get in the vehicle, drive down to North Carolina in the middle of a torrential downpour. It was the longest drive for them. And of course, we had the kids, so I stayed home. But through that whole process, it was like his peace was knowing that he had just led his brother to the Lord a few months prior. So he knew that the salvation of his brother was secure, and he knew where his brother was. So there wasn't... There wasn't uh, anything there that was causing him yes he misses him that's a natural part of life but he's not in a place where where he's unpeaceful and he's he's not in a place where where many other people are like why why are you so calm why how do you, how can you have peace during this time because i know where my brother's at and i know i'll see him again 
So when we have a revelation of things, it's just like the things of this world. They grow strangely dim, and they don't have the hold on us that, that the world has. And, and there's this connection or this attachment where, where if something happens in their external world, then they're in chaos. And their whole life just gets, I mean, for some people, it just turns them around and they're not even in church. They're not even following Christ and they're off. Uh, they, they come off of the path of righteousness because of one event. Some people are one event away from walking away from God. How does that happen? Did he not give his only son? They understand that, but there's something that they don't have a revelation of, so their world gets thrown into a whirlwind. And so the more of a foundation that we have, the more secure we're going to be, and the more we're going to understand that when the winds come, when the rains come, that we don't have to be impacted like the world is impacted. That is a good thing. Praise God. We will never be stronger than the foundation that we're built upon. We will never be stronger than the foundation that we build our lives on. So if our foundation is not strong, it doesn't matter whether you're using steel, whether you're using the best components, strongest components. If that foundation is not strong and it's not level and it's not concrete, then it, it's not going to matter. That, bu that building can come down. That house can come down. So it's all dependent upon the foundation. What is that foundation? It's Christ. But let me take it a step further. It's not just believing in Christ. And I think sometimes people get this idea, well, I believe in Christ, therefore I have a strong foundation. But it's not just I believe in Christ. He says what? If you obey my words, just like in John 15, if you abide in me and my words in you, then you will be in joy. Ask whatever you want and it will be done. Your joy will be made complete. So it has to do with his words. It has to do with his words. So it's not just believing in Christ. It's taking his words, and then as James said, as we read in James 1, that we do the words, just like the scripture here, that it's not just a man that hears the words and doesn't put them into practice. It's a man that hears the words and then goes out and does them. So let me read this, because I thought this was interesting. I actually... I never read out of the Message Bible, but I did this time, and it was really interesting. And I want to read this to you. The same scripture of Luke, Luke 6, 46. It says, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir. That's Jesus speaking in the Message Bible. So <laughs> it's like, amen, yes, pastor, oh, yeah, I got that. Yes, amen, I agree with that. Yes, sir. Yep. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's like the seed that gets sown, and they receive it with joy, but then they go out, and because of the sake of the word, they, they hit a trial, they hit a circumstance, and then it's gone. But it says, yes, sir, that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. It says, these words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life. They're not just homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. And I thought, wow, 
That's an interesting way of putting it. Now understand, this is, this is a, the message Bible. It, it translates the message into the concept. It's not a word-for-word -word translation. Understand, there are two different types uh, of things that can happen when you translate the word of God. You can translate it word-for-word -word from the original uh, language, or you can translate the concept, and that's what this is. And so he's saying here, he's saying these aren't just mere additions to your life. This isn't just like a, oh, let's put a, a, a sunroom onto the side of the house. I know we don't really need it, but it'll be pretty and it'll be nice. Like a mere addition to the house. Oh, let's just add on an extra room, you know, to uh, store our stuff in. It's not a necessity, but it's just there because it'll be nice to have. He's not saying these are just mere additions. He's saying these are foundational words to build your life on the actual foundation of the house. And I was like, that's really put interestingly. I, I like that concept. I like how that's worded. Because his words, the words of Christ, are not just for us to go, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, if somebody does that, that they probably do pretty well in life. No, he's saying, do this because your life depends on it. The success and the prosperity of your life depends on this. And then it goes on and it says, if you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. I'm really liking the, the message translation. I think I'm going to read it more. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. It was a total loss. And so we've got to as this says, work the word into our lives. Now, that brings me to the next point, is the words that he speaks to us. That can be from the word of God, yes, when we're reading the word and something jumps out at us, and when it's like, oh, I got to do that. Oh, man, that's what that means. And it's like highlighted to us, but it also means the words that he speaks directly to you. How many, how many have felt the Lord pressed upon them certain things. You weren't necessarily reading the word of God, but he's telling you, you need to, you need to get this in, worked into your life. Or you need to get this worked out of your life. And it's not because you were reading a scripture and it jumped out. It's because you know the Holy Spirit and he's pushing that button going, deal with this. And what do we do? Sometimes we treat it like the, oh, this will be a nice addition onto the house if we get around to it. If the resources are available and, you know, that's our, that's our dream home, our ideal, you know, the, that we'll get to if we, if we make enough money, if we have enough time. But in actuality, what Jesus is saying is you need to take that because the Lord knows what's ahead of you. He knows the plans and purposes for your life, and he wants to give you a hope and a future because what he has for you, he's giving those very words that we just shrug off and go, well, it's not a bad sin. 
The, you know, it's not it's not like I'm I'm sleeping around. It's not like I'm out there, you know, uh, committing adultery. It's not like I'm doing, you know, these. The, I'm not murdering anybody. I'm not doing the bad sins in life, right? And and we'll treat it like that. So pretty, I'm pretty, you know, I'm doing pretty good compared to you know a lot of people. And we'll we'll treat sin that way, or we'll treat the voice of God sometimes that way, and we'll just shrug it off and be like, it's optional. You know, we can, we can add it or not add it. But Jesus is saying here, no, that's not how I look at it. So we have to change our perspective and go, okay, I can't look at it that way. I can't look at it like it's optional, and I can't look at it like it's something to just be added in if I get around to it. See, the Lord knows where he wants to take you, and the very thing that he's pressing you on personally is the thing that if you don't get it implemented into your life, it could either halt you from going higher, or if you do happen to press yourself in higher because you do it yourself and he didn't elevate you, then the problem is it'll come crashing down because you didn't work it into your foundation. And sometimes we look at it and go, what's that got to, what's that little thing right there got to do with it? What's that got to do with my life? What's that got to do with my promotion, with my longevity, with my whatever it might be? You have no idea. But people's lives, so many times, and, and it, can, it can be in the spirit, the soul, or the body, in any of those areas, Something can impact an area and cause the house to come down. Just like I, I talked about, if you didn't hear last Sunday uh, evening's message, I talked about how, how we, if we don't implement certain things in our life, it can cause the house to come down. It can cause the foundation to crack. It, can, it won't hold. And I said, it will give the enemy a foothold when we're not balanced in our life. Because he, he roams around seeking whom he may devour, but it goes right before that, and it says to be sober-minded, and that means to be balanced in your life, to be self-disciplined in your life. And so we have to implement these things in our lives. In fact, John 6, 63 says, it is the spirit who gives life. Those words that he speaks to you, they are life, and they are spirit. And just like I said Sunday night, I said, if God is telling you to do something, then he's going to give you the grace to do it. He's going to give you the power to do it. And I used an example, and I'm not going to say it again t today. You'll have to go back and listen to the message uh, to hear what, what I, I talked about my own testimony. And Zephan hasn't let me live it down since. But <coughs> and I told him, I said, that's just between me and you and the people that were here Sunday night. So you'll have to go back and listen to it if you want to hear it. <laughs> but there, there can be a grace that comes on your life when he speaks to you to do something. And so many times we step back and go, oh, that's hard. Lord, you know, that's just a stretch for me. I, I can't do that. Maybe you couldn't last year. But if he's speaking to you to do it, believe and receive the grace that he's giving you this year to see it through. Because I believe that this year, year of thriving, there's going to be a grace on people's lives to accomplish what they couldn't accomplish before. 
So receive the faith to overcome. Receive the faith to increase this year and to establish that thing in your life. And things don't necessarily have to be sin. Understand that. It could be something in your life that you just need to establish patterns. You might need to, just like we talked about Sunday night, rooting certain things, pruning certain things out of your life that are taking up time. It's not necessarily a sin, but it may not be worth your time. It may not be worth your energy. Maybe the Lord's asking you to serve in some way. See, that's not necessarily, he's not pulling you out of a sin, but he is bringing you into a place where he wants to elevate you and teach you some things. And so sometimes we'll back away because, well, I don't want to commit to that. That's going to require something of me. But the Lord is going to give you the grace to do it. He's going to give you the grace to do it. So whatever he's asking you, believe that you have the grace to overcome and to step out into that this year in Jesus' name. So the Lord knows what is ahead of you and what is going to be required of you. So we've got to hear his voice and heed to his voice and establish those things in our life. And it's not going to look the same as everybody else. It's not going to be, it's not going to look the same even as maybe your spouse. It could be completely a different word. And if you get that established, then move on to another one. Don't go, well, I did it. I accomplished it in February. Boom, it's done. I can coast the rest of the year. No. What is the next word? God doesn't quit because, well, we got to wait till 2025, you know, and then we'll start out. No. He's always progressing. He's always, he's always wanting you to accelerate. So get the next step and do it. Psalms 32.8, this is interesting. I love this scripture because it talks about the intimacy in the relationship that the Lord wants to have with you. But it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Yeah, you got a different version? You have uh, King James or New King James? Um, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. And the next part says, I will guide you with my eye. Wrong bottle. There's too many bottles down here. I will guide you with my eye. How many have had that mama that gave you that eye before? And you, <laughs> gracious, like... And <laughs> both sides of the room. I've got two big hands up in the, in the congregation, and they're my children. I will guide you with my eye. I, well, I had a mom like that, too. And it's just a certain look, you know. No one else may be able to read that look, but the kid, they can read that look. Like, I just stepped over the line, and I better either pull it back or I'm going to be in trouble. And then if dad steps in and he gives me a look, then I'm done. My butt's getting a beating when I get home. And if you were Zane, I would look at him, he'd go, what? (laughs) 
So everybody then turns and looks to see what the look is. <laughs> I have witnesses to prove it. <laughs> but that look, that eye that he wants to guide us with, it's not just an eye of correction, but it's also an eye to guide you, to lead you. It requires that intimacy when you know someone. And it's like you know, you've learned to read their facial expressions. You've learned to read how they, how they respond and what they mean. I, I remember moving, uh, when we moved to Hana, the, the first uh, few months there, there's a wonderful lady, Auntie Sonia, that lives there. And, and <laughs> the ones that know her, like, she communicates with her face, doesn't she? So it's like you have to get to know her because at first, you know, she would just be like, you know, and have this, this like stuff that she does with her eyes. And it's like, you know, like she's meaning something, but uh, I didn't know her. So I didn't know what she meant. And I'm like, I know I'm supposed to be picking something up here, but I don't understand what, what that's supposed to mean. Well, as I got to know her, I began to understand how to read her eyes <laughs> and what that meant. And she didn't have to say anything. And then she would just, you know, do that. And I would understand. And then I would be able to communicate. And there weren't even any words. But it was like there was this communication going on that nobody else necessarily knows because it's all silent, but it's done with the eye. And so God wants us to have that kind of intimacy with him where it's like he guides us with his eye. He leads us. He doesn't, he doesn't want to come down and smack us around. That's not his desire. Now, will he prune us and do those things? Yes, but there are times he would much rather, my mom would have much rather, just as I would have much rather guide the children with my eye than have to go the extra measure and say, I told you not to do that, and you did it anyways. So now there's a consequence. Now we have to put this measure in place because you chose not to listen. And so the Lord will, he can do the same thing. He can create things that will guide us that are uncomfortable at times. And sometimes when he's told us over and over and over and over, the pressure will increase and we'll be like, why am I dealing with this so much? Why is this escalating, and why is this a frustration in my life? And sometimes it's so easy to point to everybody else. Well, they're the problem. They're annoying me. They're frustrating me. But it might be something in your own heart that God's trying, he's, he's exposing. And he's saying, you need to deal with this. This needs to be uprooting. And I'm allowing it to be exposed because I love you. But if we would listen to his eye, not listen, watch, and follow that leading, then it wouldn't get to that place. So as Jesus says, if you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say, then it's like that you might have to deal with some torrents and some storms. And then you might have to rebuild the foundation. Now, obviously, he doesn't want it to become that. So the warning is build the foundation. Now, what's the difference between the wise and the foolish man? It says in verse 48, the wise man was like the man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. Now, the foolish man, he just laid the foundation. He didn't dig down deep. 
and that's the difference between the two. The wise man will dig down deep. That whole concept has to do with whatever is necessary. It means continued work to the point of necessity. Continued work to the point of necessity. When you're building construction, when you're doing any kind of, of job that requires a foundation, two or three years ago we were, we were uh, doing, we completely re-gutted our home and it was an old farmhouse and, and during that time we added an addition onto the home. But one of the things that, that we forgot to do in the hustle of just wanting to get it done is we forgot to put the vent pipe the vent in our bathroom to vent out the sewage smell. And of course that's done behind a wall and, and up through the walls. Well, it wasn't put in. So all the plumbing is laid and everything, floors laid, tiles done, showers are done, all of that. And then the first couple months of us being in there is like, we're getting this nasty smell. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. And we're like, and then Pastor Bragg is like, I think we forgot to put the sewage vent in. And he's like trying to remember, and he's like, I'm pretty sure we didn't do that. And so the foundation had to completely come up. So the showers that were already tiled and epoxied and everything had to completely be done all over again. Yeah, it wasn't the foundation, but it was the foundation. Yeah, it was the subflooring. It wasn't the foundation of the home, but you're, you're getting my draft. You get the, the understanding. It's, <laughs> it's the, when something's already laid and done, and then you have to go and you have to redo the whole thing, that's much harder than if it would have been done to begin with. But it's no different than our lives. Like, if, if that storm comes and knocks everything over, and it's like, I spent a lot of time building that house, but if it wasn't done right, then we have to go back in and reestablish the foundation. But the problem is, sometimes in life, it's too late. Because we don't get those moments back. There are times when we don't get another chance to raise our children. There, there are things that we can do in life where we don't get another chance at. Like, that's it. And so we've got to be very intentional about how we lay the foundation in our life. Are we taking the words of Christ and applying them? And it's not just when we read, but when he speaks to us. When he says that word, do we shrug it off as a mere addition to the house or do we take it on and say, I must apply this to my foundation? And it doesn't matter how I look at it. I have to trust that the fact that God knows where he's taking me. He knows where he wants to go with me. So I've got to trust that this is important for my future. Let's finish up with James chapter 1. Again, go back to James. That digging down deep, you know, the best things in life, the, the, the most expensive resources in life are down deep. So it's like, Jimmy, where's the coal found? In the ground. You have to go down deep. Where are diamonds found? In the ground. You've got to go down deep. 
water, you drill for water, you drill for oil. All of these things that are resources and stones and gems, these things are where? Down deep. And for us to get the best and to get the things in life that are worth living, we have to go down deep. And we have to be willing to do what it takes to dig the foundation to get to that place. I'm sorry, let's, let's, I'm going to finish up with 1 Corinthians 3. Flip backwards to 1 Corinthians 3. Verse 10 through 15. It says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one of you should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So there's going to be rewards given on that day when our works are judged, on that day when, when we stand before the Bema seat of Christ, and, and all of these things go through the fire. All of our works, everything that we've done, all of the, the times that we changed the, the quality of our character and took it up another level, implemented something maybe our parents didn't teach us, but we read the word of God, and the word of God said that this was important, so we begin to implement it. Or the things that we uprooted that was sin in our lives and we had to pull it out. All of those things will go through the fire. And when it goes through, if it goes through as precious stones, as gold and silver, things that are pure, the pure at heart, then they'll be rewarded. But if it gets burned up like hay, stubble, and wood, and there's nothing left to show for it, it was all fake. It was done for man's praises. It was done for ulterior motives. It was done when only someone was looking, and then the rest of the time it wasn't really implemented. There could be all kinds of reasons and motives. But the thing is, if we are establishing these things in our life, then it says there's going to be a reward for it. Now, we have to understand that digging deep takes patience. Kyle, you want to go ahead and come to the keyboard? So we can't forego being patient.
Because just as the wise man and the foolish man see the difference was the digging deep, we have to realize the digging deep takes time. Sometimes it can be frustrating because we don't want to do that. That's the harder thing to do. We built landscaping area outside of our uh, house in the, in the front of the house last year, and we spent all day just trying to build the, the foundation to make it even so that the, the wall didn't look like that. And it's still not perfect, but it was like we kept digging, kept digging. It's still not, it's still not level, still not level. We kept digging. And it was like, really, is that that much lower? And we had to keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. But that's what we have to do is you, sometimes you got to keep digging, keep digging to make sure that you're establishing things correctly. Because, see, if someone gets sick, if someone faces a, a storm, it's much easier to prepare for war in times of peace than it is to prepare for war in times of war. If you're already established when the torrent comes, then you're set. You're equipped. But in that moment, it's a lot harder. So take the time to dig deep and don't forego patience. See, patience, a lot of times we're waiting and, and we think, ah, oh, trying to be so patient here. You know, we, we kind of put it there with that idea of, ah, oh, this person's getting on my nerves and I'm really having to exercise patience, you know. But patience is actually an action word. Because what we're doing in those times of patience is we're actually establishing that character, that quality, that thing he's telling us to do until we arrive at that place he's calling us to. See, we just want to get to the place. We just want to have the thing. But he's saying, no, in those times of patience, you work it out. You get good at it. It's the, it's the time of purification where you're, you're scooping that dross off of, the, off of the gold or off of the silver, off of the element that's being purified. And so we're actually actively working those things out until we get to that place. So it's not just a sitting and waiting. It's an action word of actively working it out until we become perfected. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. See, sometimes we can... We can kind of shrug things off that the Lord's telling us to do because of ignorance like I was never taught or you know we get used to the idea of of rebellion like people just rebel at something that God tells them to do but we don't really think of the concept of oh I'm just gonna make an excuse because this is the way I was raised or I'm just gonna ignore that but the thing is in, the, in that parable that we read, it doesn't matter whether it's rebellion, ignorance, or I'm just choosing to ignore it, the consequence is the same. So if we choose to ignore the promptings of the Lord, 
He doesn't just give us a green card and say, well, you know, you were just raised differently, so therefore you get a pass. See, life doesn't care, and the enemy doesn't care. So if we just choose to ignore it or if we choose to use an excuse, we still get the same result. We still get the same consequence. We, st- we will still deal with the same crumbling as if someone that rebelled. Not because God wants our lives to be like that, but because we made a choice to ignore. And so we've got to take the voice of God so seriously. And I believe that this year, as you do that, you're going to see the benefits of it. And sometimes those benefits, it might not be tomorrow. Sometimes it is. Sometimes something can be done just like that, and it's, it's done. And, and it's like, praise God, got the victory, and it, I just needed to take that step of faith, and it's complete. But then sometimes we have to change a habit. Sometimes we have to change patterns. And that can be a little bit more difficult because it has to do with consistency. But like I said, God's going to give you the grace to do it. So don't ignore what the Lord's telling you. No matter how small it may seem, no matter if it's, you know, well, you know, it's not a, it's not a big sin. or Don't gauge it on that. Understand that he knows where he wants to take you. And these are the foundational points to take you to that place.